Hello, and welcome to the fifth episode in the Linklaters Competition Litigation Podcast Series. I'm Tom Castles. I'm a partner in our dispute resolution practice based in London. And I'm delighted to say that today I am joined by my colleague, Jason Shardlow-Rest, who is a managing associate in our practice. And today we will be doing our best to talk about the relevance of applicable law issues in competition litigation, which is a dense topic, um, not to put the listener off, but we are going to do our best to undense it, if that is an expression. So, Jason, jumping right in, can you give us a quick summary of what applicable law is and how issues around applicable law might arise in competition litigation? Thanks, Tom, and, and hello to all our, our listeners. Um, this is certainly an important question for the podcast. So. Applicable law is trying to put it simply that the law which applies to a given thing. So whether that's an action, an agreement or a contract and in a litigation context, a court needs to determine the applicable law so that it can apply the right laws or principles when hearing that case. And given the significant differences between legal systems of different countries, this is obviously a, a crucial step in any given case. Yeah, I think we should probably point out at this stage with apologies to people for whom this is blindingly obvious that applicable law is distinct from jurisdiction and um, with a plug jurisdiction is what we're going to cover in the next episode of our podcast but um, as you said Jason the applicable law of a case is the law applied by a court to that case jurisdiction of course by contrast is the the state uh, in which the case itself is heard and that relates to the procedure that's then normally applied so Jason and I both have experiences, for example, of having cases being heard in English courts where the law being applied was not English law, it was the law of some other country. Yeah, it's a good point, Tom. I think it's important to, to keep in mind those two connected but, but different aspects to, to a case. And it's also important to remember that, that any given case could have multiple applicable laws. So we've worked on competition litigations where the claimants alleged that breaches of competition law had occurred across multiple jurisdictions. And the court therefore had to apply multiple different national laws for different aspects of the claim just to make things nice and complicated. I think another point to have in mind is, is the sort of so what that listeners might be interested to hear as to why this issue really matters. And the applicable law in the proceedings can have a number of knock on consequences. So one particular area where national laws often substantively differ or diverge is the determination of all important limitation periods for claims. And as discussed in our previous episode, limitation is a really crucial point. If the limitation period is longer or shorter, this changes the claim period and potentially, crucially, the damages that are recoverable. Okay, so I take that on board, Jason, but why would you say issues of applicable law are particularly important for competition cases rather than you know all, all litigations generally? Yeah, it's a, it's a fair question. Uh, applicable law comes up a lot in competition litigation, I think because of many of the harms or breaches alleged by claimants tend to involve a number of jurisdictions and have a cross-border element to a lot of them. So for EU member states too, some of the most important provisions in competition law, including the provisions prohibit prohibiting restrictions on competition and anti-competitive behaviour more generally, are set out at EU law and only supplemented or implemented by national law. 
And this means that claims covering conduct in multiple member states can more easily be brought into one single piece of litigation because the test of whether a company has broken competition law in, to give an example, um, Poland is similar to that in, for example, Czechia. Even now, uh, where the UK has left the EU, the UK has substantively retained the key provisions of EU competition law related to restrictions of competition. Yeah, and I, I, I suppose um, the other reason why firms like ours are often dealing with cases where this comes up is that competition cases can concern torts um, rather than contracts. So in a contract, the parties normally agree which law will govern any disputes arising out of the terms of their contract. Um, but in torts, that all tends to be a bit trickier, right? Yeah, it's a really good point. And, and actually a really nice segue onto what, what is probably the obvious next question, which is how is applicable law then actually determined? Okay, so you're actually going to have me answer a question, uh, which is completely unfair, uh, <laughs> since I thought I was asking the questions. All right, so I will I, I will cover the the historical part because just to make this even more complex, the determination of applicable law depends uh, on the time at which the alleged breaches of competition law occurred. Um, so. If the alleged breach occurred before the 11th of January 2009, um, the position is governed by the snappily titled Private International Law Brackets Miscellaneous Provisions Close Brackets Act 1995, uh, or if they occurred before 1996 by common law. Uh, and these provisions are still relevant sometimes. There are cases going through the court relating to pre-2009 conduct, but they're rapidly going to get out of date, I don't think are particularly useful for listeners on this pod. So could you explain, Jason, how applicable laws determined where the conduct occurs after 11th of January 2009? Sure. So, so from 11th January 2009 to the end of the Brexit transition period, so 31st December 2020, a regulation that, that many listeners will be familiar with called Rome 2 governed which law would be applicable to non-contractual obligations in most civil and commercial matters in the UK. Then at the end of the transition period, Rome 2 was substantively incorporated into UK law through the very creatively named UK Rome 2, which is now part of retained EU law. And the basic thrust of Rome 2 and UK Rome 2 is that the law to be applied to breaches of competition law should be the law of the market which is or is likely to be affected. So when deciding which law should apply to an alleged breach of competition law, Rome 2 and UK Rome 2 provide that courts should look at the places affected by the change, so not where the conduct causing those effects actually took place. Right. So it's so it's market, not conduct, which yeah. which might sound a bit academic, but it makes a big difference in the cross border cases we deal with, because you can take, for example, a case where the claimant alleges that some practice rule conduct adopted by a multinational country company has breached competition law. Um, the claimant suffered loss in a number of different countries because lots of people operate across a number of different countries. And, and if, if the practice or rule complained about had been set in the um, 
multinational defendants HQ, as is as is likely to be the case. Um, if we were looking at conduct, the law applicable to all of the case would be the country of the defendants HQ, which may not be fair to claimants. With Rome too, however, there would be potentially multiple applicable laws and the applicable law applied to any particular loss or losses would depend on the location of the affected markets. I mean, that sounds yeah, that's, to me, Jason, a little bit like a recipe for, for confusion. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think with that recipe for confusion in mind, I think there's one competition law specific exception to this rule to mention for listeners benefit, which is that if the claimant sues the defendant in the country where the defendant is domiciled, the claimant can then elect to base its claim on the law of that court. So it's worth noting alongside that, though, that the claimant only has that option where the market in that country is one of those directly and substantially affected, to quote the, the language in, in the relevant legislation, by the alleged breach of competition law. Yeah. And that's clearly a policy driven rule um, to make it easier for claimants and to stop defendant lawyers like ourselves from seeking to overcomplicate things by asking them to prove several different applicable laws, adding to you know, cost and difficulty in bringing these sorts of lawsuits. Um, and I think that was something that came out of the case that we were both recently involved in, in the Competition Appeal Tribunal, the case of Westover and others against MasterCard and others where we were acting for Visa. Um, so deciding the markets affected by practice might sound like it should be straightforward or, 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 or just a preliminary point, but this can therefore often be quite complex and involve quite a lot of economic analysis. So without getting too much into the detail of that decision for the purpose of this podcast, it illustrates quite well how complex these issues can become because the outcome was that certain aspects of the claims were decided that they should be governed by English law because of the relevant markets that were found to be affected, whereas other aspects of the claim ended up being governed by Italian law. Yeah, exactly, Tom. I think it's a, it's a good decision that, that shows both the complexities and importance of these issues. And perhaps I should just say as, as one sort of final footnote for this, that now that the UK has left the EU uh, following the end of the transition period and the rules on applicable law are enshrined differently as we've covered, there is increasing scope for divergence between the UK and EU rules because CJEU decisions on applicable law now won't bind UK courts. I think perhaps for the purposes of today's podcast, we've given enough complexity into matters. So maybe that's a podcast for a few years time. Uh, yes, please. I think I think now is time to bring this podcast to an end, having um, shone light into the confused darkness that is applicable law uh, and made it all completely clear for all of our listeners. That brings us to the end of our fifth episode. Thank you to everyone for listening. If you would like to find out more, there's lots of resources on our website. Our next podcast, as I said earlier, will be on jurisdiction. And finally, if you'd like to get in touch with any of the team, please feel free to reach out to any of us. Thank you very much.